Traveling the Vortex. We have joined the Doctor as she travels the Vortex and arrive at episode 462. And you know, Would You Like a Humbug just doesn't have quite the same ring as Would You Like a Jelly Baby. <laughs> I'm Keith. <laughs> I'm Sean. Did she say a humbug? That's what they were. Oh, I heard her, I heard her say the ginger would would, ginger. would settle. I don't think she actually said what it was. Uh, how do we know it was a humbug? It's according to TARDIS Wikia. Oh, 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 yeah, because she said, well, we, we knew it was ginger flavored, whatever it was, because she said a yeah. ginger will settle your stomach, so. Can, can we talk about the uh, next level trolling that Chibnall did there with her pulling out a plastic, a paper bag and <laughs> here, have a ginger. Oh, not quite the same. Yeah. But I mean, if jelly bellies aren't, or jelly bellies, jelly babies aren't, aren't, uh, you know, known for settling your stomach. She's obviously going to pull something that will. And ginger's known to settle your stomachs. There you go. Do you guys have a good week? You're missing the point. <laughs> Well, I don't. I don't think I am. <laughs> I think I'm right on the point. Oh, I just can't with you tonight. <laughs> it's going to be one of those. I'm good. How are you guys? Tired. Me too. We've I'm got a getting... sick kiddo. Yeah, I'm just getting off of the flu myself. Oh, is that what you had? Yeah, I think so. Holly had it early in the week, and then it hit me about Wednesday, and never really fully hit Wednesday. And I thought, okay, I'm going to be in the clear. And then Thursday came around. It was a little worse. And, but then I kind of rebounded and I thought, okay, well, flu shot must be working. And then Friday it hit me full born and I was pretty much out most of the weekend. Oh, that's never fun. No, but I'm feeling better today. Back at work today anyway. You guys watch anything this week? Oh, I went and saw a call of the wild. Was it any good? It was. It was quite enjoyable. It was a rousing adventure and uh, a fairly impressive uh, CGI doggy and um, an equally as impressive CGI Harrison Ford. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Do you see Harrison that dog? Great, as always. That dog is modeled after a uh, dog that was adopted in uh, Emporia. I did see that. Yeah, so did I. That's pretty cool. No, it's it's a. I have to admit to a, a bit of a, a failing. I've never actually read the Jack London novel. I never have either. Me neither. But I liked it. Keith, you watch anything? Jim uh, discovered Muppet Babies, the new series. <laughs> the it's new one? Good. The yeah. Computer it's, animated? Yeah, it's really cute. There's a lot of nice little touches. Like Statler and Wardar for the, the neighbors. And so anytime they're on the stage, they're up there all the time. Or like they went to some, they did actually some time traveling and wound up in Egypt. But the Sphinx had Beaker's head on it. And it was just in the background, not addressed, just back there. <laughs> it's little stuff. In the first episode, they're running away from a boulder, and it literally cuts to the background is Indiana Jones. <laughs> so it's it's really well done. I'm impressed by it. Sounds cool. Yeah. But I did finish, and I started and finished Rebel Rising, the Star Wars Jin Erso book. I figured since I was on the Rogue One path, I might as well continue. <laughs> And it was pretty enjoyable. Um, it really connects the dots for that gap time um, in the middle of, well, from the prologue to the rest of Rogue One and fleshes out her relationship with Saw and how they kind of fall out and how she winds up in the prison. It, they did a good job with it. I liked it. 
a quick young adult novel read, but I thought it stayed fairly true. If not, if, if anything, it gave her more reason not to join the rebellion that I think it kind of doesn't 180 at the very end to go, Oh yeah, well, okay. I guess I will help after all. But other than that, it's a, it's a, does a really good job of painting the empire as a really true villain and how horrible they treat their citizens. It, mm. It's the worst I've seen the empire portrayed and it, so it, it does it very effectively. Huh. How am I doing? And highly recommend it. It's not as good as like Ahsoka or anything, but it's still f- at least four stars. Oh, good. Actually, um, quite accidentally, um, <laughs> started listening to uh, Catalyst. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I was at the library and I thought to myself, oh, I should grab a, a, a book uh, on tape, you know, while I'm here, which of course is a book on CD now. Um, and so ambled over there and was kind of scrolling through and saw Star Wars one and went, because I, I didn't want a, a, a quote unquote, legends right i was, was going to do this i should try and at least be somewhat current and this happened to be the one they had and i was like okay cool and i grabbed it and walked out and put it in and it started and it was giving me this whole backstory of galen urso and i went is this the same one key listened to? <laughs> <laughs> it's the one i read yes it t- turns out it's the one he read so <laughs> well, about three funny. chapters in but yeah nice glenn did you watch anything while you were sick on the couch uh, Mason and I went and saw, uh, before I got sick, went and saw um, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. What did you think? We, we both quite enjoyed it. We thought it was it was fun. It's it's not without its issues. It's not the greatest movie, but I think it was it's it's fun and worth, you know, worth a watch. Uh, a lot of little Easter eggs in there that we kind of chuckled at, you know, the, at least the ones we caught. I'm sure there were about a dozen of them that even went over our heads, even though both of us are. I've played many a Sonic game over the years, but yeah, it was good. Um, it was, I think I wondered about J- Jim Carrey, how well I would enjoy his character because I think, I think everybody kind of sort of got tired of Jim Carrey, but I think this, the, the nostalgia of Sonic wrapped up in the, in the, you know, the old school performance of Jim Carrey, you know, back from the Ace Ventura days and Dumber and Dumber days. I think it, somehow it works it, it, it almost it, they almost complement each other and so yeah. i was i was very pleased with that over-the-top performance that that he did that you know kind of harkened back to uh in living color days and ace ventura so so it almost gives it a 90s feel it kind of does yeah and Which then uh, Sonic. <laughs> as far as reading i haven't read much this week mostly because this flu was accompanied by a uh a massive migraine that finally didn't go away until about Sunday. But um, I, I went on an endeavor, um, which I may or may not regret, but um, <laughs> I've decided to go back and I've been trying to find something doctor who related that I could do that wasn't necessarily, you know, contradictory or something that we probably wouldn't get to uh, until much later down the road. Uh, and I've decided to go back and, go chronologically from first doctor on and read all of the comic adventures, comic book adventures, any sort of comic book adventure that any of the, you know, the doctors have been in. Uh, I've gone back to the first doctor and I think I've talked about this website before, but um, the uh, doctor who the complete adventures by a a guy named Andrew Kearley. He's always been kind of my uh, go-to as far as the complete chronology of the doctors and, and where stories pretty much 
are placed. And, and I don't think he's any sort of, you know, end all beat all. This is how everything really is laid out chronologically, but he does, I think he does a really good job and I kind of agree with his method. So I'm using his website and I'll leave a, a link in the show notes. If anybody wants to go check out this website. So this is the one that uh, I, I kind of went to cause we were keeping our own chronology and, you know, as a, as a, uh, Google Doc, and then when I found this guy, and I thought, well, this guy's doing it for me. I just kind of quit making my own <laughs> and using this guy. But uh, but he he breaks everything down based on you know TV books. Uh, you know everything's nicely color coded, so you can go back and find out. So I, what I went and did, went and did. I that does doesn't necessarily mean I'm going back and reading everything chronologically in real time, like our time. I'm going based on how he has placed it in the universe. So according to him, the first uh, adventure uh, from the Doctor would have been in the uh, Doctor Who magazine, uh, 231 to 233. And it's a story called Operation Proteus, or Proteus, I guess is probably how you say it. And so I've read that one. So I've, I've started that and that's, that's, I'm embarked on this journey. And uh, if you guys will let me humor you a little bit, maybe I'll do just some quick reviews on these as I go, if you guys are cool with that. Absolutely. Well, real quickly, this one's uh, basically the first Doctor and Susan prior to uh, uh, Ian and Barbara uh, showing up. And uh, in fact, it, it's implied that it's right before that, although I'm not sure how that's going to to work since there are, it looks like, well, no, no. Uh, there is no other comic stories before they show up according to his timeline. So I guess this does make, uh, does kind of make sense, but uh, the doctor and Susan stumble across a, um, <laughs> uh, Susan encounters this man who transforms into this alien beast, you know, in a, in a, in a uh, beatnik club in London somewhere. And she goes back and tells uh, her grandfather and he decides that they need to go and investigate. So they end up going to the underground, uh, to the secret hideout and they encounter this, um, creature from space who traveled for hundreds of years with his, uh, faithful co-pilot, um, just, just traveling as one, uh, with their spaceship and exploring, uh, the, you know, the universe. And one day he crash lands on earth and his co-pilot dies. And so in order to reward the kindness of the uh, humans that find him, he decides he's going to help them with a, a program that will help them get ahead of uh, other um, nations. And ultimately, this <laughs> being uh, decides that he's tired of being on Earth and isn't going to return the generosity of the humans who seem hell-bent on destroying each other anyway. And so he's going to use human experiments in order to create a uh, <laughs> another co-pilot worthy of flying his ship so that he can leave Earth and destroy <laughs> humankind <laughs> altogether. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, and so he, he goes on that path and he, they have some college kids. And anyway, the, the idea is he's created this, uh, mutagen that, uh, he's infected these test subjects with that. Then when they're released into the world, they basically spread this mutagen like a, a virus. And the doctor has to kind of figure out, you know, you know, how to convince him to, uh, to stop and, and reverse this mutagen, which has already been released into, uh, the, basically the air <laughs> and uh, decides that, uh, well, anyway, one of the, uh, one of the uh, mutants that transforms from one of these test subjects ends up killing 
the guy, the uh, the creature that's trying to destroy Earth. And the doctor has to use his notes to re to reverse engineer the mutagens so that he can uh, you know, send another test subject out with basically an antidote that will infect everybody. Um, coincidentally, because it's underground at King's Cross, which is kind of the you know central location for all travelers in London, and saves the day. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, it's a, uh, I think it's a Gareth Roberts uh, written story, if I remember right. I can't, uh, I don't have it right here in front of me, but uh, it was it was interesting, intriguing, uh, a little silly, but it's nothing less than you can expect from one of these uh, Doctor Who monthly magazine uh, story arcs. That kind of you know they're they're usually about. Oh, half a dozen pages, uh, and then they continue from week to week. This particular one had three parts, so um, enjoyable. Um, and I probably will have forgot what even happened by the time we ever come back around to this <laughs> and review it proper on the show. But uh, there's that. <laughs> so that's my little mini review of of the first uh, Doctor Who comic story in my uh, adventure. Nice. The, the, the comic stories; these are not the. Um... If it's Gareth Roberts, it's obviously not the TV comics, the old school. No, no, yeah. See, this was uh, this would have been Doctor Who two thirty one into two thirty three, which I think is probably right around the mid nineties. Uh, this okay. particular one, uh, if I remember right, may have that off. But like I say, as I say, it's it's how he places the stories chronologically, not necessarily when they've come out. And through this little uh, adventure, uh, yeah, uh, that I'm embarking on eventually i will be reading stuff from the tv comics um but in his timeline because of how they fall in and it's you know john and jillian uh the explanation is that it's later in in the doctor the first doctor's life uh that he uh, spends time traveling with his other grandchildren so they'll be a little bit way a ways in fact the next adventure is the end between times which was in that titan comic that you guys read that i neglected to read so you guys have already read the next one that that i did that i'm getting ready to do but i hadn't so this is kind of you know serendipitous that i missed reading that one and so now i will be coming around to it again so nice and you will of course make sure to uh, attach a link in the show notes uh, to this uh, awesome yes. website that, yes uh, absolutely good deal Let's see if we can, this poor guy probably is just his own little server. will probably overload it once everybody starts going. <laughs> I'd like to send a thank you out to the guys at Traveling Vortex for breaking my internet. <laughs> <laughs> we reply, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, do we have any news this week, Keith? No news. No news. It's hard to believe with there's new Doctor Who on and there's no new news. Well, I think that's because it's all radio silence till the finale. I suppose that's true. Good news. Did we talk about Build a Bear finally? Uh, I know we mentioned that it was coming, but uh, did we talk about it finally releasing last week or becoming a no. thing? Oh, last I week forgot about that one. No, yeah, we didn't. So that's a thing now. Yeah. So, and it sounds like it's going. It's a, it's available online now, and it sounds like it's going to be available in the UK. It sounds like it's going to be available online in the US later this month as well. So, oh, nice. Yeah. That was one thing I couldn't find was a U.S. release date, so I'm glad you saw yeah, it. Yeah, it doesn't say specifically, but it says it does say coming later this month. So Nice. Very cool. All right, well, should we move on to feedback then? First up in feedback is Holly. I did not have Holly's pulled up, anticipating <laughs> we were going the other way. Hold oh, on. okay. First up in feedback is Jamie. <laughs> well, now I switch over, so you're going to get Holly. First up in Holly feedback Ryan. is Holly. <laughs> Ollie writes, hey guys, where to start with this episode? Okay, I thought the Daleks were the 
baddest baddies around, but the Cybermen in this episode are really giving them a run for their money. The Doctor, wanting you to go it alone and protect her fam, I completely understand. I think losing Bill to the Cybermen is still fresh in the Doctor's memories. The Cyber Drones were very creepy. Make the Cyber Mats from a few years ago. Gallifrey coming back and the Master making return appearance. That makes me excited and nervous all at the same time for next week's episode. I'll wrap it up here. Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. Thank, Thank you, you, Holly. And next up in feedback is Jamie. He writes, Hello, Vortexers. Before I dive into the ascension of the Cybermen, a brief word of the eight Mary Shelley stories. They do indeed take place before Charlie. In Storm Morning, when the Doctor is talking to himself at the start, he finds an autographed copy of Frankenstein and mentions oh, that's nor right. being to tell what really happened. As for the other appearance in Mary's story, I suspect it could be the Time War. On top of this, the temporal backlash from the lone Cybermen allows for both to happen, at least from a certain point of view. <laughs> On to the Cybermen. It was good. I liked the Cyber Wars bits, but the Irish cop, Irish cop was confusing. I'm thinking he's one of the timeless children. But then towards the end, when he got the headphones on near the end, I thought it was maybe the dream of one of the Cybermen. Then the Master came back. This feels very much like a middle act. I'm very interested in seeing how this resolves itself. Gallifrey, the Master, the Cybermen, and conceivably the Timeless Child. Hopefully things are answered satisfactorily. So far, apart from a few low points, this season has been a major step up from the last one. Before I go and before this is concluded, do you think any companions will or won't be leaving? Anyway, keep up the great show. Jamie. I'll tell you, one thing that I did think about this week was how uh, uh, Ryan, uh, Taz and Cole, has talked about you know, joining some series on CBS. I think it was, we, we'd reported that a few weeks ago. And when he gets separated in this one, I sort of thought, Oh wait, maybe he is going to get killed off in this and, and we'll end up losing one of our companions so they can go do that. So I did, I did entertain that notion, but I'm not sure that I'm, I'm set on the fact that he's leaving. Had he not re- reunited with the doctor, I would have been a little bit more worried. Yeah. Of course that could be the most dangerous place to be. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's it in feedback. Very good. All right. Well, let's uh, let's launch into our reviews. Ascension of the Cybermen. The aftermath of the Great Cyber War. The Doctor and friends arrive in the far future, intent on protecting the last of the human race from the deadly Cybermen. But in the face of such a relentless enemy, has the Doctor put her best friends at risk? And what terrors lie? What terrors lie hiding in the depths of space? And what is Co-Sharmus? Dun, dun, dun. Start us off, Sean. This was a lot of fun. This was a very exciting, uh, a little confusing, and uh, very much agree with Jamie that it kind of felt like the middle part of a larger story. And I'm not quite sure I can give it a definitive how I felt about it or, or competent review even because... There are so many things uh, uh, churning that it's really going to depend on uh, on the finale, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. There's not a lot that gets really resolved in this story, so it's a little harder to come down on it one way or another since everything, a lot of things are left hanging. But I agree, it was an enjoyable uh, action-adventure ride that I think does the Cybermen well. Um, just the, especially through most of it when it's just the three of them and an onward march continuously and them trying to just constantly get away. It uses them very effectively. 
Oh, let's be honest. When you saw the 70s Cybermen style heads on those one oh. warrior robots, you were probably just. I absolutely love the so redesign. <laughs> <laughs> the redesign is fantastic. Oh, it looks oh, it's, so good. It's not a redesign, it's an old design. Well, it's a, it's a mesh of designs. It's a, it mesh, is a mesh of the 60s, late 60s uh, Cybermen helmets with the bodies of the Nightmare and Silver Cybermen. They look so good. <laughs> I can't wait to see more of them in action. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, uh, it uh, unfortunately, it's, I, I always seem to land with these uh, stories whenever these, you know, two-parters are in this case, a quasi three-parter. Uh, I, I agree that it feels like the middle section of, of a story. There, Not a lot is advanced in this story other than there's a lot of running and setup for what's to come. Um, but that being said, I'm never bored in this story, in this episode. I think it, it's a lot of fun. Um, they, it's, it's, it's thrilling and scary and um, exciting and exhilarating. Um, it runs at breakneck speed. It doesn't give you a chance to kind of breathe, which I think works really well because it, it, it continues to, to push you on from, you know, uh, one end to the other. Um, and, and like I say, there's not a lot going on in this story other than the, the, the buildup to what's to come and the buildup to the, to the end of this, especially when it's sort of revealed what's on this ship. Uh, but I just, I, I had so much fun watching it and it's, it's one of those ones that it, if the second part, if they can, if it can stick the landing in the second part of this, then I think that this, the, the, I will be able to even give it more praise next week. Uh, mm-hmm. if it, I, I, what I hope it doesn't happen is it doesn't become a footnote in a story that becomes kind of lackluster or doesn't quite make it on the end. And I'm, so I'm kind of hoping that the next one sets the bar just as high or even higher, uh, for the storytelling they're, they're they've started telling in this particular story arc. We're, we're still, uh, we're still gun shy from extremists. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Well, so many of Moffat's two-parters yeah. would have a first great part and then the second part would just not quite make it. And I, I agree with the pacing. I normally am not a big fan of the breakneck, but because of the threat of these Cybermen constantly chasing them down, it works really well for the story. I sort of remember looking up uh, about 35, maybe even 40 minutes in and thinking, that much time has not elapsed already. I can't believe that, that this is, you know, that we've, <laughs> we've been engaged in this story for this long and this thing's almost over. And I remember thinking, well, that's the, that is the first time that the first 35, 40 minutes of a doctor who episode just flew by. And I had no idea it'd been that long. It did truck, um, really well. Um, for just the, uh, we, 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 we use these terms like uh, breakneck pace and, and frantic and, and things. And, and it, this one really was, there was, you, you kind of hit the ground running mid stride because we're, we're investigating this planet given to us by uh, Percy Shelley. And we've got all the equipment already set and ready to go. We know that we're in the middle of the, the end of the cyber wars, which first of all, that's a great, a great uh, thing to explore. Um, we, we've heard so much throughout the the history of the show about you know the end of the Cybermen and after Tombs or Tomb of the Cybermen it's it's very much okay everything is set prior to that because well this is the end and so this was really kind of cool to explore the end 
and 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 get a little bit more of that battle and and how it's uh you know affected them i was i was very giddy over that but um we 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 literally just kind of hit the ground running and the episode does not stop for breath except maybe if you want to count the uh the, the irish flashback sideways alternate i'm not sure what to call them um, you know, those are kind of the breather moments. Everything with the doctor and fam is is just run, run, run. Yeah, it really is. And I I, I agree. I like the exploration of the end of the cyber wars. It's such a ripe material of things to to explore, and then adding this extra complication of the lone Cyberman into it because you kind of get the impression that because he has the Siberian now in him, it's almost altering the timeline of some way because it's like he wasn't supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And these Cybermen were supposed to stay dormant, but now he's there and causing trouble. So it, it, it's still, it could be, you know, it would just, it's right material. It's, it's, uh, it's fertile ground. Yeah. Tim said something very interesting when we were discussing this on um, a tartar sauce about the lone Cyberman and how excited he was by this character, uh, because it's just such a, 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 a different take on the villainy. And I have to say, I don't know that I was initially, I certainly wasn't prepared for it. I don't know that I initially took to it, but I think it was simply because I wasn't on the same page with it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have our Cybermen kind of all cut from the same cloth. They are all tromping around, stomping, emotionless, and uh, there's a lot of screaming for all of the uh, uh, non-emotions that are going on. But that's just kind of their thing. And you you fall into that that rhythm if you will, that cadence that the Cybermen have. And here's this guy who's seething with anger. And it, it, it's it's just a, 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 a constant boil of rage that's built up in him. And yet his, um, while we don't know the ultimate end goal, whatever his, his current plan is, is certainly um, nefarious enough that we should be concerned. And it, it, it just it strikes a very weird balance in a way because it's, it's, this is, this is something new. This is not something we've seen before. It would be like if you gave me a Dalek that recited poetry and asked, you know, would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> it's, it's that level of different. And I don't think my brain was quite prepared for this particular villain. And it was brought up that, you know, it would be great if he came back. And now I am suddenly extremely concerned that however this thing is going to wrap up is going to do the fairly standard we dispatched the villain at the end of the story arc. And I, I, I kind of agree. I don't want this guy to be gone because he's suddenly become very interesting to me. Well, yeah, but how many times have we dispatched Davros? and then brought him back. I mean, well, you, can, you, you can, you can put a final nail on the coffin of any villain and, you know, bring him back in Dr. Who at any time. So That's true. It, it is Dr. Who. Yeah. I'm not so worried, especially since they, there's a lot of precedent for that. Well, and he's also one of the characters that, you know, the last episode, you kind of get an idea. Okay. This is what this guy's about, but then you unpeel another layer in this story and discover more about who this kind of, kind of who this guy was and what's going on with him. The fact that he was, the process was abandoned on him. It wasn't that he became so damaged that the, the that the emotion circuit broke. And so that's why he is this way. No, he, they just abandoned the cyber conversion process. So there's, there's a lot, there's constantly stuff to unpack with him. He's not just a one note character. Yeah. And we've, we've been real fortunate that we've had three stories or will have had three stories with him by the time this is over too. So yeah, that's true. I should say three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, one story, three episodes. I thought the companions uh, were well divided and had were played to their strengths fairly well too. Um, Ryan getting stranded behind so he could be with the doctor, and then Yaz and Graham off together with the rest of the other humans, and Graham being the you know eternal optimist and. <laughs> Yaz figuring out how to do things. I thought they were a great combo together. Yeah, it's not a lot of time that we get Graham and, and Yaz on their own as a team. And I think that it was kind of nice to see those two pair. It very much uh, felt, I don't know, it, it was Graham and Yaz together made a, 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 a certainly a new a, a new angle on the, on the paradigm that, again, I wasn't quite prepared for, but I found that I really quite enjoyed. And Yaz treated it like, oh yeah, we're together all the time, not just as a bigger group, but, you know. Right. When she says, oh, you know, the two of us together, come on, we can do anything. And he just like, yeah, all right. Even though he, who has been the big champion and the cheerleader and the think positive sunshine, and, and, and he's been doing all that, even Graham was beginning to get to that, oh, we are really kind of screwed here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. And so it was Yaz who recognized that and went, no, 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 we're not doing that. Well, and they've gotten paired off before, just not to this extent. Yeah. Because they were paired off in Praxius together for part of it. Yeah. But just not to the scale. <laughs> I was just say, I think what I liked about this one is the, is, is that there's so much time th- together that they were able to kind of uh, highlight that. So I like that. Um, anybody else wonder if this was very near to uh, the Orion war this, in, from the story, sort of Orion with the, I think it was a uh, eighth doctor very, very early in the main range. That was kind oh. of, that was, that was kind of the big catalyst of the cyber war, at least at that time when they were talking about it too. And I wonder if this is on kind of maybe that heals. Cause they talked about how both the Cybermen and the, and the humans are, you know, down to very, very few left. Um, only seven left in this region of the, galaxy or this yeah this galaxy and so i i kind of wondered if this is in any way related to that same conflict between uh humans in in uh, the orion war i think it very well very well could have been i hadn't thought of that but once you have now said that yes i can totally see these visuals these sets uh as, as what the the eighth doctor was running around Makes you kind of want to go back and listen to it and, and imagine these sets. <laughs> Gives you a little more uh, uh, head fodder. <laughs> Especially imagining them with these new designs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The the production design on this was, was really rather outstanding. Um, I liked the, the, the Junker ship, kind of the weird. It was very much tickling the back of my brain going, this is just familiar enough that I feel like I should recognize it. And then I would stare at it and go, no, I don't think this is meant to be anything. I think it's just a, a, a Jupiter. <laughs> it's just Jupiter a well-designed. <laughs> um, but, but that the, obviously the, the Cybermen with the eighties heads and the, the, the new bodies look great. Um, uh, pretty much across the board with, with all of that. I will say, I think the effects may have taken a slight hit on this episode. They've been pretty consistently outstanding throughout this series. And this one, I don't know that I was quite as enamored with them. Starting with the the cyber drones, which once you got over the initial... The (laughs) Flying Cybermen heads. Um, (laughs) And then we're totally okay with it. But the, the, it just, I, the, it just something about the green screening on it just didn't quite work for me. They looked very not 
in that environment. And then later when all of the Cybermen started waking up and, and coming from the doors, this is such a big epic uh, and, and meant to be terrifying moment. And I found I just didn't quite believe it because it just looked a little too digital for me. There was something about it that was just off and I can't say for sure why. Hmm. I didn't notice. I don't I, think anybody I, else did. Tim, Tim I, even yeah, praised I didn't really, I didn't how, how good the effects were. So I, I, I thought it was thought, just me. And it may be just you because I thought the, the effects on this one were amazing too. Uh, I think particularly the uh, outer space shots, the exterior of the uh, big uh, ship that they end up on, uh, the ship itself that they uh, escape in, I think uh, looked really cool. It was neat. It was a neat design. Maybe I was... Maybe I was more enamored by the fact that it, it, it seemed like uh, not well, not entirely unique of a design of, of ship, but something that we don't it, less familiar. Like, you know, it's not it's not that kind of streamlined, sleek uh, edges of a spaceship that we're used to. Uh, this is more saucer like and round and it rotates as as it flies, which I thought was kind of cool. So maybe I was just kind of taken by the uh, cool look of the ship. And brought that into, you know, great special effects as well. So Yeah, and like the fields of floating Cybermen I thought looked fantastic yeah, too. I, I could see a little bit on the flying Cybermen heads. Some of that I thought didn't look the best, but everything else I thought looked phenomenal. I do kind of wish the drones had been something, you know, better than flying heads. But once <laughs> I kind of got used to it, I, I kind of like it now. Well, something that I'd brought up the other night was uh, it kind of sort of makes you wonder every time we saw a Cyberman head, for example, Pandora opens when the Cyberman head is laying there by itself. Is that really a disembodied, you know, a, a decapitated uh, head, or is that a drone that's laying there? Now you could argue oh, that yeah. it's it's you could argue that it's probably part of a, of a full Cyberman because there's also an arm there that ends up shooting at them as well. Um, but it also makes me wonder about handles. Was handles actually a Cyberman head, or was it one? Cyberdrome. That's true. Well, and it also kind of lends to the idea uh, posed in Nightmare and Silver where they were, could kind of de detach different parts of themselves to go do yeah. what they needed. Yeah. You kind of wonder, oh, are these just actually heads at one point that they've converted or, or did they literally come off of bodies and we just never saw the bodies? I hadn't thought of that. You're right. I mentioned that I was quite disappointed that once they started flying over and I had accepted that there were flying Cybermen heads that they target some survivors and shoot them instead of swooping down and opening up and encasing the human <laughs> heads inside these things and start cyber converting from the neck down, uh, which I think really would have added a level of terrifying to these things. Yeah, yeah that would have. And even Mel commented, she goes, I thought the Cybermen took over people. Why are they killing them all? Like, um, different group. I don't know. <laughs> Well, it is. I mean, that's the the uh, the lone Cyberman, um, Ashad. I think it was his name. Is his name? Yeah. Um, he, you know, that that is. He's basically helmet on destruction. He's he's not. He, it's not about conversion anymore. It's about total annihilation. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm bring this one up now. Are you ready to have your mind blown with this theory? I've heard that before, but okay, go ahead. <laughs> so the lone Cyberman's name is Ashad. Which, if you spell it out, and I looked it up, it is an anagram for something. Shada! <laughs> I don't know how you make it work. I think 
my mind would be blown if I could think of a way to make it work, but I can't think of any any connection whatsoever to it. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm afraid I'm that was more of a mind place, not a person. Yeah, it was kind of a mind fizzle. Although, if you pair that with my other theory that we're still not in Universe Prime, which I think we were given a lot more potential evidence to that. Once again, Ashad makes a comment about uh, I will track down every corner of this universe. And again, maybe he's just being a megalomaniac because they all kind of say things like that. But it was very, it was a very pronounced here. We have a portal at the end that takes us somewhere else. Maybe Gallifrey, maybe not. We have uh, all kinds of just little things that don't add up. Like, for example, the new Cybermen a design we've never seen before. Well, maybe it's because they're not our universe Cybermen. We have new cyber ships, a design that we've never seen before. And with all of the callbacks to classic who that Chibnall has given us, wouldn't it have made sense for him to have the old school with the round, you know, the, the, the cyber destroyers, whatever they're called. I, I don't think so. And the reason I, I say that is because I, cross. yeah, I think you are because I think that the, the design of the Cybermen has continued to evolve, so I continue to expect new design choices, new design, a new look as the, as the series progresses. So I think that's just oh, I don't the disagree. that's just the nature of it. I also think you have to presume that uh, Chibnall's lying, man, that he says <laughs> that there is not a parallel universe. And I think I've stated before that until he, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt until he actually is caught in a lie. Then I have to give him the benefit of the doubt that this is not an alternate doctor. This is not an alternate universe. Um, I don't think he's gone as far to say as the, not necessarily say that it's an alternate timeline. Cause I think that that's where this is going to end up uh, landing is that, that some, something has splintered the timeline and we have a new series of events, but, uh, but I have and, to, and, I, I just can't say, I, I, I don't think the alternate universe theory holds true unless he's completely lying to us in that interview with radio times now or digital spy. I can't remember which what one did, what, what new bit of information did we learn about Shada that it was this prison where they kept all of the most dangerous, yeah, most uh, dangerous people. And uh, didn't it have something to do with aborted timelines? Didn't it? Or am I confusing two different things? I think you're confusing two different things. Well, I then you're thinking of Cricketman. Yeah, Cricketman had aborted timeline axis of, uh, axis of what was that? The axis. Yeah, uh, it was axis of something. Was the axis, axis of, of insanity, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah, that that one had aborted timelines. That, wasn't, there, wasn't a fourth Doctor one that had this big nexus hub of this is where the Time Lords because they go in they fix things and this that is was where that ball. was axis that was axis of insanity. It was a fifth Doctor, I believe, fifth Doctor story. Oh. Maybe well, no, well. there there was a novel that referenced that story and i think it was cricketman okay i think it was cricketman you don't i don't think it was cricketman i thought it I, maybe it was scratchman obviously i thought it was oh, maybe it was scratchman yeah it wasn't shot no, it, was, it was more it was a newer idea it's been since shot i'm pretty sure keith's right well then never mind it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> i thought i had it all laid out for you speaking of the portal i was reading an article online that was saying that it looked to them that Gallifrey was normal, but to me, it looked destroyed. Oh, it looked destroyed to me. It looked well, it entirely, destroyed to me. entirely destroyed to me. Yeah. I'm not the only one that assuming that or, or saw that it was a destroyed version. Yeah. No, it was definitely a destroyed version. Yeah. Okay. This article was just stupid then. 
<laughs> I mean, you, yeah, you no, this... totally saw the two little kids standing there in the desert next to the concrete thing, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, on the next time, uh, yeah, trailer, the next time I, trailer, I, yeah. I did. I didn't see in the episode. Um, yeah. Back to your shot of theory there, Sean, I, I sort of wish that shot I would have, would have internally addressed aborted timelines because then it would have gone uh, a long way to explain itself for having so many different versions. <laughs> <laughs> what else about this one that uh, everybody liked? It's it's hard for me to 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 sit and talk much about this one because of the fact that there I I, I don't want to say nothing happened because a lot happens. There's a lot of lead up to what the conclusion of this story is going to be, but the majority of this is them running from the Cybermen. I mean, it's them running, them getting separated, them trying to help these refugees. You know, a lot of good stuff, but it, it, it's hard for me to sit here and point out all the great little things other than just overall, it paints a, a really intriguing story, but I can't say much more about it because it feels like putting together, you know, a, a jigsaw puzzle and not having all the pieces yet is what, yeah. it, what, what it really feels like. And so I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm broken recording this, but I really feel like I'll have a lot more to say about both stories next week after we've come to the, to somewhat of a conclusion of, you know, as we talked a little bit on uh, Tardis sauce this week about how the potentials there that they will wrap up one threat or the other, but continue some plot threads over into the next series. And I think uh, I, I I'm landing wholeheartedly on the fact that they'll resolve the Cyberman story, but hang on to the, uh, Ruth Doctor story into the next series, and so I don't I don't see them wrapping all of this up, regardless of the fact that the last uh, uh, story is called the Timeless Children. Perhaps it will just reveal more information that we'll want to unpack next season. And it makes sense that they would uh, be prepared to carry on some of the story into the next series, especially since both Chibnall and uh, Whitaker have said, "Yeah, we're doing a series three, or we're doing a third series." So. Yeah, yeah. My other thing about this story is. The guest cast was just kind of there. They were kind of expendable, kind of like you need them to be, though. So it wasn't necessarily to its detriment. It wasn't. And I think that happens because you have so many of them and so many of them that are, that are, as you said, expendable are going to be ones that aren't going to make it. You know, we, we introduce this one guy and give him a name only to turn around and kill him, you know, just, you know, seconds later. So, and really the only one that stands out or it was the young kid that wind up, winds up with the doctor, and then the lady that was flirting with Graham. Yes, yes. And I think we're meant to, yeah, we're meant to focus in on those two because I, yeah. I in fact, I think they'll probably have a little uh, story going into next week, next week as week as well. I hope so. Okay, so I'm not the only one that totally thought that she and Graham were kind of sort of hitting it off, but oh, not yeah, really absolutely. going there. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Okay, no, they totally were. Because yeah. I, I found myself actually kind of hoping Graham would find somebody. Maybe it's I too, my, too soon, but no, I myself thought the same thing, and and I I don't think it's too soon because I think we can assume that they've been traveling with the they've they've had many more adventures, and I think we can assume they've been traveling with the Doctor for quite some time now. Yeah, who knows? Graham may decide to stay behind with her in the future because he realizes he doesn't have anything in the past for himself. I mean, he's he's basically retired, right? He doesn't drive a bus anymore. Um, he's, you know, pretty much in remission from his cancer. He doesn't have, um, grace anymore. Uh, Ryan would be his only connection. And if, if Ryan gets, yeah, off. if they, yeah, if they off him yeah. as well, then it, it would give him even more reason to, 
maybe stay behind. That's true. Or is it really stay behind when you're in the future? <laughs> well, stay ahead. Stay ahead. <laughs> we haven't really touched on the Irish cop storyline, but I kind of agree with Jamie or with what you said, Glenn, that it was kind of a the, the breath spot in the story that I am interested to see how it's going to connect with everything else. Well, I think that's just, that's the problem that I have with that is it really intriguing uh, thread that was going on through there, but it had, it, it in no way has connected to the a plot of the story yet. It, it's just a B plot that I think will pay off later. It um, was again, very intriguing. It made you wonder what's going on here. What, what, what is this guy's connection to everything? Why is this guy superhuman? He's, he's, you know, been shot and fallen off a cliff and he's fine. And then, you know, in the next scene, he's aged, retiring, and the father and the and the the captain of the of the police department, neither one of them aged any. And then they hook him up to some machine and give him electroshock therapy. And so you have to wonder what's going on here. Yeah, um, and especially we had since some, we the, had some the the coming back from death was very Jack Captain Jack esque. Yeah. yeah, right. We had some <laughs> theories uh, talking about it last night on Tardis Sauce, and I think that. Um, uh, one of them, and I think Sean, I maybe I should hand it over to you. Not, not the don't don't talk about the Captain Jack one. The other one that you thought maybe it was. Um, uh, not the Captain Jack one. Not the Captain Jack. In, one. in in dealing with the Irish guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't you think it was supposedly the the uh, gatekeeper guy that was? Oh no 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 that was uh um, was that Tim? Tim I think had that one. Oh okay all right. That yeah. he thought that uh, the uh, what was the guy's name? Bradley Branford. Uh, Brendan. 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 Yeah. He thinks that uh, Brendan uh, would. He was totally convinced that Brendan would wind up being the, the the keeper of the portal at the end of all things. That he's been immortal and he stays behind because you know he's ancient now. But then they tortured him, so now he's not so sure. <laughs> See, and I, all through it, I thought, oh, this is going to be a Shad's backstory, and yeah, yeah, it didn't necessarily look like him once he got to be tortured. So. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I'm, I was kind of leading down that road as well until we met, uh, the, the gatekeeper guy. And then I sort of landed on the, I wonder if maybe Brendan's this guy. And so that's where I'd kind of landed with it as well. Do we, do we have any, uh, now can I, can I tell you my theory on the, the gatekeeper, the portal guy? Yeah. It's the master. <laughs> Uh, the only reason that I, the only reason that I don't think that I, I hope it's not is because to me that's too reminiscent of the master in disguise while Missy's on the same ship. So you've got two masters. One is a, is the past master in disguise. This turns around and redoes that again. It, it mm-hmm. does the we've got two masters involved here, and it's because you know the masters in disguise. Whether it ends up being the John Sim master or another master or he rips off his, you know, mask and it ends up being Missy. It's, it's already been done. And I would feel like that that's kind of a, a cheat because we've, I feel like we've already seen that before. I would be more uh, excited to, to see that it's another reoccurring or another returning uh, villain, maybe the, the Ronnie or, or somebody else. I think oh, that I would, would be, to be the Ronnie. yeah, I mean, that would, that would make it a little more uh, you know plausible for me, but to, to, to rehash something where, and it was the master working with the master again that yeah, that stuff doesn't work for him. Well, and it seemed like, from what we know of the guy, he's ostensibly a good guy. I mean, he stayed behind selflessly to make sure other people can get through, so it doesn't well, seem like it's some sort of plots. 
but so it, uh, but if you're going to set up this big reveal of aha that's who true. this is, that's how you're going to set it up. And I think the only time I sort of felt the same way, uh, Keith. I felt like this guy always just he, he's made the ultimate sacrifice. He seems to be this good guy. But it wasn't until he kept kind of almost ominously pushing the doctor to get closer to the gate, to the to the uh, I keep calling it a gate. It was a portal or whatever it was, um, barrier. They called it a barrier. Uh, he kept saying, you know, get closer. And he, was, and he almost had this ominous, you know, like, you know, like he was goading her to get closer so that she would. And then she'd get swallowed up into it. You know, it was just it, it, like activated. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> yes. Very master like <laughs> or very Ronnie like maybe. Um, especially if whoever this person is knew that the master was going to come barreling through this portal momentarily. Because who doesn't like to make an entrance? <laughs> well, yeah, certainly that's true too. <laughs> Anything else on this uh, particular story? It's just hard to say without the second part of it to, of how really great this story is. It's very, very good. Um, I think. Yeah. <laughs> At the very least, it's an enjoyable ride so far. Very good. Well, what we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule, we have the end. The timeless children is the who episode for next week. It's the finale of the season and uh, we will be covering it in all of its glory. And we have a slight change after all of my careful deliberations and uh, <laughs> uh, a putting together of a schedule that I thought was going to work. We were informed by the powers that be, in this case, the range editor over at Candy Jar Books, that no, we should not do Rise of the Dominator next. We should actually do the Laughing Gnome Havoc Files. So we are changing, and I will have those changes reflected on a new schedule posting on our website shortly. Very so good. that will be after that. Excellent. Sounds good. Well, be sure to check out our website for those updates. And while you're there, be sure to click on our patron link and consider supporting us. And for those of you that are supporting us, we are ever thankful for your support. And remember, you can send feedback and comments to feedback at travelingthevortex.com or by clicking on the send feedback link on the website. Anything else until next time, guys? I don't, I don't think so. so. All right. If not, till next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Be seeing you. That's not my line. That's not. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> I'm not awake. <laughs> you have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.